a man went to the doctor for a checkup. The doctor did a very thorough examination and then asked the nurse to send the man's wife into the office. So the doctor talked to the wife and told the wife, said, ma'am, your husband is very ill. But there's hope. If you'll take him home and feed him three warm meals every day and do everything you can to make him comfortable, probably in two or three months he'll recover. So they left, and the wife and the husband went to the car. And the husband said, well, what did the doctor say? She said, the doctor said, you're going to die. (laughs) In concluding the book of 2 Corinthians, and Paul has written two books now to this church, Corinth is located on a small isthmus between two seas, about 10 miles across the isthmus. It also is the home of the temple of Aphrodite, where there are a thousand temple prostitutes each evening leaves the temple and goes down into Corinth there to satisfy the lust of all the sailors that travel east and west. It is a cesspool of iniquity. It is probably one of the worst sinful, degraded despised cities in all the world. And Paul stops by there and begins the church as we know of the church of Corinth. The church is filled with all kinds of sins and iniquities. And concluding the letter, he says in verse 5 to that church, those Christians, those professors of faith. He says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove yourselves. Know you not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except you be reprobate or counterfeit or failures. I think it does good every once in a while to have a checkup. Before I left this morning, my wife was insistent, check your blood pressure. Well, after she said that about five times, it wasn't any use me checking. I knew where it would be. It's hard to parent a 76-year-old man. My wife has a difficult job. And she always wants to make sure that my blood pressure is within blowing out distance, you know. But it does good. It's healthy to check up. 
healthy to go to the doctor to make sure that you're okay. And I guess it's okay to once in a while have a spiritual checkup. Paul is saying to this church at Corinth, and if you read much about the church, and if you read any at all about the book of Corinth, it would be a silly book to build doctrine about. There is so much sin and so much immaturity and so much childish, so much selfishness that takes place in the book of Corinth and in the church at Corinth. And it is so bad that one man is cohabiting with his father's wife. And of course they have to expel and kick that individual out of the church. It is so bad that Paul says, your babies in Christ, you need to be fed meat, milk instead of meat. He says, you're carnal. They have a tongue's heresy. People getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. It's a great church. And Paul gets the end of the letter to the church and he said, I swear, some of you folk don't act like you're Christian. Some of you are professors and not possessors. Uh, some of you say, but you don't do. And I'm not saying that here to examine you. I'm saying that it's every once in a while it's just good to have an examination to make sure that we're okay. Actually, the verse is saying, and notice verse number one, I'll read it for you now. Paul said, this is the third time I'm coming to you. You parents, have you ever looked at your kids and said, that's the third time? And that's the last time. Paul said, this is the third time I've talked to you carnal boogers about this matter. He said, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So he quotes a verse out of the book of Numbers and said, I've heard enough already. I know that you're guilty. I told you before and foretell you as, I, as if I were present. The second time, and being absent now, I write to them which therefore have sinned. And to all others that if I come again, I will not spare. Have you ever told your kids? Now the next time, I've told you 45 times already. Don't do that. 45 times. Now the 45th time, I'm coming with a club in my hand. Now Brother Ben, it's easy to get Brother Ben's attention. My wife has got a, a board about that long. Got a handle on it. It's a two-handle deal. Now, she's not going to hit Ben with it, but Ben don't know that. <laughs> and she comes out of that house yelling and screaming, her hair standing straight out with this club in her hand. Don't affect Ben a bit. Third time he said, I've come. He said, you better listen to me. He says, if I have to come, when I come, you're not going to like what I'm going to do. Notice this now. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which is to you word is not weak, 
but is mighty to you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he lived by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove yourselves. Know you not your own selves. How that Christ Jesus is in you except you be reprobate. In concluding this book, the Apostle Paul is saying some of you really need to check up. I would enlarge on that. I would say all of us need a spiritual checkup. It is not to make you doubt your salvation. I believe once saved, always saved. I believe that he gives unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. For my Father which gave unto me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I am fully persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I believe that once you are born into God's family, you can never be unborn out of God's family. And I believe God will deal with us as with children. Don't you believe that? I don't believe God's going to let us skate, get by with a bunch of stuff. And if we can get by with a bunch of stuff, probably we're not children. And the great Hebrew writers describes them with a word I would not say in public, but illegitimate. Many folks are professing to be saved when they really are not saved. And there's no doubt at all you can know for sure. Aren't you glad of that? And every once in a while you need a checkup. I, got a, I have a pacemaker. I don't know what it's for. I don't know what it does. I don't know if it ever kicks in. I just know how much it costs. And I don't know if it works or not. I'm sure glad. I don't know if it works or not. I know I'm still working, so it might be working. I have no idea. But ever so often, I've got to call on the telephone and I say, hello, this is old dummy. Don't know what he's doing, what I do now. I said, put the phone on the deal. I put the phone on the deal. And then I hang the phone up and they call back and say, well, you've got two days to live. (laughs) We need a checkup. On a regular basis, we need a checkup. And so Paul is consummating the book and said, some of you folk sure need to check up. Some folks who are saying they're saved are not saved. You say, now how do you know that? The Bible said, many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out devils in thy name and done many wonderful works in thy name? And then Jesus said, I will proceed. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Wouldn't it be an embarrassing situation to go through all of your life thinking that you're going to go to heaven and letting somebody pump into your mind that you are going to heaven and then all of a sudden you stand before God at the great white throne judgment and here, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. The Bible said everybody who's professed to them, they're not going to heaven. So it just behooves us to check up, if you would please, to make sure. Notice it did not say for me to check on Sean. Now, I doubt Pickett. I have for several years. It says, examine whom? Somebody tell me. Huh? Examine yourselves. 
And that's so important today that we examine ourselves. I've always got somebody examining me. All somebody's always tell me where I've fallen short of my Christian life, and I appreciate their 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 advice, and I appreciate them being so caring about me. But God told me to check up on myself, not on everybody else. You know, I, I just I, I just make a very poor God. You know, I read in my Bible this morning recently, uh, Matthew chapter twenty-five, about ten virgins. Remember those ladies. Uh, Five were wise and five were foolish. You remember that? Five were wise, five were foolish. All ten were dressed alike. All ten were attending the same church. All ten was using the same Bible. All ten was going to Sunday night service. All ten had everybody in the world thinking they was going to have. All of them looked like they were going, but guess what? Only five went. Only five went. They looked alike, dressed alike, spoke alike, looked alike. They were all in the same same deal, but they all didn't go. I dare say there's some folks here today believe God with their head and not their heart. I dare say there's some folks today got all the answers, but don't have the ticket to heaven. Dare say, you say, preacher, you're judging. No, I'm not. I'm asking you to examine yourself. Amen. Just examine yourself. You say, well, preacher, I, I don't know what to do about that. I just don't know what, what in the world I could do. You see, the Bible says that that fellow in Luke 16, you see, it's been uh, some 2,000 years now, maybe even before that, maybe 3,000 years. And you know, he's still crying, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may just dip the tip of his finger in water Cool my tongue, for I am tormented in these flames. 2,000 years now, 3,000 years. And then on into the billions and billions of years, he'll be crying, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. But after you're dead, it's too late for mercy. Now is the day of mercy. Amen. So Paul is saying to this church, the way some of you are acting, the way some of you are thinking, Maybe you need to examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Except Christ be in you, you're reprobate. Let's you and I do that this morning just for a minute. Would you do that for me, please? Let's just, don't, wives, don't hit your husband in the ribs, please. Just save your elbows for after a while. Wives, husbands, don't look at your wife and say, he's talking to you. Let's not try this old Baptist deal of taking that and throwing it on my back so that the folk in the back puke you that get it. Won't we just take a look at ourselves? Would that be all right? Huh? You say, preacher, you're trying to make me doubt my salvation. If I can make you doubt it, you ain't got it. Paul said, for I am persuaded that he is able. These things I've written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. I don't care what you told me. You're not going to confuse me about what God has done for me. And I'm in his hand. And me and him is in God's hand. And I'd rather be in them hands as any hands I know of. Amen. Amen. Examine yourself this morning in the light of the word of God. Now, I don't care 
what my grandmother believed. She was a foot-washing Baptist. Far as I know, my grandmother never cut her hair. She was part Indian. And I can remember just a little toy-headed kid sitting there watching my grandmother, Grandmother Mary. She'd take that comb and she'd comb that hair and it'd be all the way to the floor, all the way to the floor. She had the cleanest feet in town. She was a foot-washing Baptist. They believed in falling from grace. All, all of those folk going to heaven with clean feet, they don't even know if they're going or not. <laughs> you say, you're going to make somebody mad, not me. Uh, that's why we won't accept uh, primitive Baptist baptism because they're off doctrinally. They do not believe in the security of the believer. They do not believe in eternal security. And my grandmother, bless her heart, she went to heaven. I'm sure she did. But she went with clean feet because they believed in feet washing. Huh? Could I help you today? I don't care what grandmother might have said. I don't, I don't care what Baptists say. I, I don't care what the Presbyterians say. I don't care what the, uh, evangelists say. I don't care what Pentecost say. I want to know what does God's word say about my eternal destiny. I preach funerals all, all weeks, about every week, preach one this past week. And, uh, and uh, boy, it's always assuring and nice to know that the person that used to be in the casket is now in heaven. And you don't have to lie about it. Do you know, do you know why God ought to let you in heaven? Is there any explanation why God should let you in heaven? The Bible says, examine yourselves. And I think the only way that you can do that is do it in the light of God's word. Jesus said, listen, you must be born again. Have you been born again? You say, well, I came down the altar one time and said some words and cried a few tears. But Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. Brand new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Can you go back to a time in your life? To a time in your life. Maybe you don't know the date. Maybe you don't know the time of the day. Maybe you do not know but there is a time. There is a place. There is an experience. There is a birth took place when old things passed away and all things became new. Hmm? It's a strange thing. I didn't need anybody to preach to me about how dancing was wrong when I got saved. Because I couldn't dance anyhow. Nobody explained to me I need to quit drinking that hooch. Amen. Just something happened one Thursday night. And I knelt 
with one frame of mind and stood up with a total different frame of mind. I knelt with certain desires and I stood up not understanding it, but with new desires. Thursday, I left my tool and die shop with naked pictures all over the wall, which I did not find offensive at all. Friday morning, I walked in the same die shop, and those pictures had suddenly become ugly and demeaning. Thursday at noon, I joined in the poker game that we started. I trying to get the wages back. I was paying the guys, and I didn't mind cheating because I was the boss. But Friday at lunchtime, Friday at lunchtime, that poker game wasn't the same as it was Thursday. You know, I know some of you folk look like you don't understand that. You see, when God does something on the inside, it affects everything on the outside. And you say, well, preacher, how, how, do, how do I examine myself? You examine yourself in the light of the word of God. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You may have different and sundry ideas about what, it, what being a child of God is all about, but let me help you a little bit. Being a child of God is not about reformation. Being a child of God is about Lord Jesus Christ doing something inside of you and birthing you into a brand new family. Listen to me. In Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. There was a time when I was a member of Adam's family and on my way to hell. And everybody who's in Adam's family is on their way to hell. But if you are born into God's family, your, di- your direction and destiny changes. Can you understand that? How can you understand it? In the light of God's word, can you go back to a p- specific time when everything Change. You say, now preacher, you're trying to make me doubt. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to get you to go to Dr. Wolfenbarger for your yearly checkup. And if you ask me, you're going to die. But you don't have to do it twice. You can only do it once and go to heaven. Can you say amen? Is anybody here saved? Anybody here glad you're saved? Are you glad enough to tell somebody else you're saved? Uh, That's a good indication that you've been saved. Amen. Amen. So examine yourself in the light of God's word. Could I please ask you today to examine yourself in the light of eternity? (laughs) You look at an old man like myself and say, man, he's ancient, 76 years old. That's older than dirt. But just think about, that's not even a speck in eternity. Let me read you about eternity, if you would please, in your Bible to the book of Luke. In your Bible to the book of Luke. This will help you. Not, it's not for me, it's for everybody. Luke chapter number 16. Let's talk about eternity just a minute. 
talk about eternity just a minute. So today, as I come to the God book, book of God, I examine myself in the light of what God says in his book, and I want to examine myself in the light of eternity. My wife is worried about time. The other day I got through preaching and my blood pressure was 80 over 40. Man, I was just bouncing off the wall. And you say, well, man, that's low. Yeah, but just think how long it's going to last going that slow. <laughs> Ain't going to wear nothing out going that slow, right? Huh? You say, what well, did right now? Oh, I don't know. It could be 200 over 150. Who knows? But when your blood pressure starts going erratic and your heart begins to go crazy and goes, your heartbeat goes from 25 to 225 to 250, you start thinking about uh, eternity. And uh, somebody said your mind goes first. I don't know. It's between your mind and your legs. I don't know which one goes first. Uh, But I know one thing. There is a sweet by and by. There is a land that's fairer than day. And I know this. This is not all there is to it. This is just a prelim to the eternity that we're all going to face. Watch this in the book of Luke chapter 16. The Bible said that there was two men. Verse, 13, verse 19, and there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. That's what most of our politicians do. They fare sumptuously every day. There was certain, a certain beggar named Lazarus laid by the gate full of sores. Zion befed of the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died and was buried. Watch this now. And in hell, he left up his eyes, being in torment, seeing Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thou good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. And now, in eternity, now, they're in eternity. Now time is gone. Now the riches are gone. Now the beggar is no longer a beggar. In eternity, he is comforted, and thou art tormented. There's your two choices. And there's only two. Heaven or hell. Comfort or torment. Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, it's time you examine yourselves whether or not you're going to be comforted throughout eternity by Almighty God or you're going to be tormented in the pits of the dam, hearing the screams of tormented men and women, boys and girls throughout eternity. 
Examine yourselves in the light of the Word of God. Not how you feel, not what you think, not what you theorize, not what the schools are now producing, but in the light of the Word of God and in the light of eternity. Two choices. One, torment. Jesus warned and warned and warned time and again about hell. He preached many, many more sermons about hell than he did about heaven. Jesus said to us, if your eye offend thee, you remember that? Remember that? Jesus said, if your eye offends thee, it is better to pluck it out and enter into hell. With no eyes. He said, if your hand offend thee, it's better to cut it off. If your foot offends thee, it's better to cut it off. I don't know of anything more plain than that. Dr. Torrey, if you've read much, you've read some books by Dr. Torrey. He had a grandson. Dr. Torrey was an aged man, an aged preacher, an aged theologian. And one day he just summons his grandson, maybe, you know, 15-year-old boy, to his study. And he wanted to talk to him. And he said, son, I just want to talk to you a little bit. And he said, I want to ask you something. Uh, what are you going to do? Uh, uh, when you graduate from high school. The guy said, well, I, I'm, I'm probably going to choose a college and I'll, I'll go to college and, 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 and I'll get a degree. And he said, uh, the granddaddy said, well, son, what then? He said, well, probably I'll get a job and, and, uh, and become a success and, and get married. And Dr. Tor looked at his grandson and said, what then? He said, well, I'll probably have some children, raise some children, and, 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 and retire. And, and Dr. Torres said, well, son, what then? He said, well, I guess uh, I'll do like everybody else. I guess I'll just grow old, and I guess, I, I guess I'll just die. Dr. Torres said, what then? When it's all done, and you drew your last breath, what then? You've got a choice. Comfort, torment, heaven, hell. Satan and all of his imps never pervert perverted individual that has ever been born on the face of the earth apart from God's goodness and God's holiness in the pits of the down screaming and clawing and yelling throughout eternity or dwell in the presence of God forever. Dr. Wolfenbach would like you to come for a yearly examination. Only you examine yourself, whether you be in the faith or not. Examine it in the light of the Word of God. Examine it in the light of eternity. I'd like to close now. Maybe we need to examine ourselves in the light of the imminent return of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He's coming. He's coming as sure as the world. I don't, I've never seen politics as messed up as it is now. He's got to come pretty quick before somebody votes on something. Amen. Most Baptists remind me a little scene just outside the garden when the resurrection has taken place. 
and the disciples are walking down the road. Jesus is in front of them. And suddenly, supernaturally, a phenomenon happens that would made the 11 o'clock news tonight. Suddenly a heavenly glory cloud swoops down out of heaven. Slides under our Lord's feet. And suddenly that cloud begins to take our Lord up into the sky. You know, we make much about the resurrection. wonder why we don't hear a lot of sermons about the ascension. Man, that's the cream of the crop. That's the icing on the cake. Amen. Amen. You say, well, he proved he's God by being resurrected. Well, what do you think that did when that cloud came down and started up? And of course, the Bible said there was two angels appeared beholding him as they took him up. And those angels looked at those disciples and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye there gazing? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you, shall in like manner come again. Do you folk believe that? Do you believe the Bible when it says that there is going to be a second coming of Jesus Christ? I was reading just today in the book of Matthew chapter Number 24, I just want to give you these just a little bit. Matthew chapter 24, verse 42. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord doth come. Uh, Verse uh, 44. Therefore, be also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. And it's a dirty trick to play on people. I know it is to do that, to walk up and say, do you think the Lord will be back in the next 10 or 15 minutes? And of course they'll say, no, he not. That's when he's supposed to come, when you don't think he's coming. Uh, I was reading in Matthew 25, verse 13, Watch, therefore, for you know not, neither the day or the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Verse 35, 31, Matthew 25, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and shall the holy angels with Him and shall He set upon the throne of His glory. The Bible said He shall gather all nations on the right hand, the left hand. Those on the right hand, He'll say, Come ye, blessed my Father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. Tis on the left side, he will say, Depart from me, for I never knew you, and to curse it an everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Verse 46 says this, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. How many folk believe that Jesus is coming back? Revelation 3, 3, 11. Behold, I come quickly. Revelation 3, 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Revelation 22, 7. Behold, I come quickly. Revelation 22, 12. Behold, I come quickly. Revelation 22, 20. Behold, I come quickly. What do you think maybe Jesus is trying to say to us who are here today that maybe he's going to come quickly? Would it be all right if he came today? preacher was praying 
And he prayed in his prayer that the Lord come real quick. And a woman got up and swooped out of the church real quick. After the service, the preacher was shaking hands at the back door. I used to do that until we got so many back doors. And she walked up to the preacher and said, how dare you to pray that Jesus come back real soon. Don't you know if he came back real soon and mess up my plans? Preacher said, ma'am, plans are no plans. He's coming back whether you want him to or not. Can you say amen? So today, kind of like the lady told her husband, doctor said you're going to die. Make sure. Examine yourself. Make sure. Prove your own self, whether you be in the faith. In the faith. Just a little silly story. Me and John Ringo and Brother Sean watching a fellow by the name of Noah to build a boat. Only took us about 120 years to watch him build it. Sean said, I don't care if there is pitch in between those boards. I don't think that thing will float. John Ringo, he went to A&M. He said, I ain't getting in anything with just one window in it. But it's a pretty boat. Me and John and Sean, we spend a lot of time talking about the boat. It was engineered well. Looks like it'll float. But after all, What's it going to float in? Looked like a big nothing to me. Then one day it started raining. Sean said, I ain't getting in that thing. I don't think it'll float. John said, I ain't getting in that thing. I can't see where I'm going. But we believe in the boat. Because we see the boat. And it rained, and it rained, and it rained and rained. We watched it rain. Finally, the boat began to rise. To all three of us' amazement, it floated. But only those in the boat escaped destruction. We believed in the boat. We saw the boat. We gave our own diagnosis of the boat. But you notice it didn't change the boat a bit. The boat worked. And only those in the boat were saved. Prove yourselves whether you're in the faith or not.
if any man be in Christ, remember what it said? He's a new creature in the faith. In the faith. 